Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the We Speak English Good podcast. Today on the show, we have from the Surefire Soul Ensemble. I'm glad I got that right. Tim Felton. Offbeat, still partying in Long Beach, so he's not here today, but that's okay because it's me, Mikey P. Let's start the show. Right. And then I'm also going to do, I'm also going to share this. Oh my god. I'm going to start the show and then Facebook. So uh, if anybody cares to watch or listen to that happen, that's what's happening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the We Speak English Good podcast. Like I said at the top there, our uh, guest today is Tim Felton. He is a local piano keyboard extraordinaire. Uh, he also has a very awesome band uh the soul fire soul ensemble hey gang i'm gonna sort of sneak in here and uh rattle off some dates for y'all so you guys know where i'm going an updated list at least because i just had to cut out a shit ton of dates that already passed so uh, let's see here. I'm going to be playing with Janelle Phillips here in April, and that's April 7th at St. Rock, and uh, that's the venue. And that's in Hermosa Beach, and that's with Rebel Soldiers and Ellie Mack. And then again with Janelle Phillips, we'll be at uh, the Oyster Fest, the Long Beach Beer and Oyster Fest with Ian Young. And uh, I think we're going to be opening up for Mr. Young. Uh, that'll be fun. And then, let's see, 5 to May 2nd, I should say, here in Ocean Beach, California, San Diego, California, the holding company out on Newport Avenue. Good times for the, uh, they do a reggae night out there and uh, Point Loma Consumer Co-op, uh, they sponsor the the thing I, I think i'm saying it wrong right i don't know it's a mouthful it's hard for me to remember um so they respond to that and last time i played i played with irie g and it was awesome because they kind of came and handed out free samples and it was just really nice it was a very nice thing to do um and then i wanted to shoot shout out Raina mystiques uh she's going to be doing a show out at thc again but that is may 3rd so i'll be playing oh I'm not playing this, but I'll be there. Um, Raina found her own band to do her thing. Me and Raina still do acoustic duo stuff, but uh, not right for this show. She has a band for this. Also, Raina Mystique and I will be doing acoustic duo out at Belvino March 25th. And that's from 6.30 to 9. I believe it. Yeah, 6.30 to 9. And we'll be doing an acoustic set out there during their wine club social, which is open to the public. So if you're up in Temecula, come on by and say hello. Anyways, that is all I wanted to do is pop in and shoot some dates to y'all. Um, now, 
I'm going to talk about Oyster Fest, which at the time happened. This happened in February. And when me and Tim sat down and recorded this show, this was still February. So this is so long ago now, but I'm so behind on releasing these things that uh, this is just what happens, folks. I have a lot in the bank and I just got to release them. But the next two episodes I'm going to dedicate to One Love Festival because it was such an awesome such an awesome festival and i got a lot of good audio footage of just talking to people i think i'm gonna do a two-parter it depends on how much time that i got accumulated with interviews because if i have like like over two hours of interviews then i might do it by itself or i might just intermingle and put it on um the performance side so uh, i'm gonna try to do performance on one and then interviews on the other We'll see how that works. Sometimes that works. I, I've never done it, so sometimes you got to experiment. Okay, so let's listen to me stumble over me talking about One Love Fest. I was at the, the One Love Festival yesterday, and I got a chance to talk to a lot of great artists who I, I respect and who are very talented. Uh, uh, I want to thank Josh Heinrichs for chatting it up with me. Uh, he's awesome. And I totally was talking to him about his last album and how it was like very heavily influenced by R&B. And I was looking today on Spotify and it turns out he has a new album that is not so much R&B, but more straight reggae. So I was completely talking to him like I knew I was talking about, and uh, I think he, I think he just figured it out because he just went along with it. It was very nice, but we had a great conversation, which is going to be coming out in a, a few weeks uh, after I put the show together. I also got to talk to Miles Brown from Seventy Seven Jefferson, super smart guy. Um, Miles and Josh are putting together this documentary. Uh, that's uh, they're trying to capture the essence of of the reggae movement that's kind of moving throughout the whole country right now and uh, um, and uh, yeah I thought that was cool they had a little station set up and they were talking to some people so watch out for that documentary that they're working on and uh, Miles from 77 Jefferson um, I think we're going to get him in here and uh, Josh said he wants to come back and do a long thing. So that'll be cool. Look forward to that. If we can do that, if our schedules can work. Very important. Um, and then let me see what else we got here. Um, thank you, Janelle, for inviting me out to play. It was a fun time. I had a great time. It was really muddy and because uh, it was raining in Long Beach all night, all day and all night. And so by the time that we were done, I had uh, my brand new shoes um were completely ruined by mud so uh, i totally fucked my shoe game up and uh, that was very disconcerting because i don't usually buy new shoes i usually just spend my money on gear so you know in about six to eight months i'll get a new pair of shoes uh, in the meantime i'll just walk around with muddy shoes or my old shoes which i have on now uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, and Blaine Dillinger. I want to thank Blaine from Hyrie for sitting down. He, he gave a great short, it was short interview compared to what I usually do. Um, but he get, he sat there for a half an hour. He made time. He, he like went and got food. He made sure to come and talk to me and tell me, he's like, Hey, I'm coming back. And, um, you know, we're going to do this thing. So I appreciate, uh, him taking that time out with his lovely wife, Portia. And we talked about, uh, 
a wide a range of a range <laughs> we talked about a lot of cool things including their new album that they have out uh wandering soul and and um we talked about them getting robbed in san francisco so really good chat that we had there uh i want you to go to rainamystique.com that's r-e-i-n-a-m-y-s-t-i-q-u-e Dot com sign up for the patreon and um sign up for the newsletter get exclusive downloads and um with the patreon you know you can donate a dollar a month that's only twelve dollars a year or whatever you want um the it's there so check it out um let's see here Skanks Roots Project will be at U31 February 19th at uh, I think we are headlining that that's through Slick Entertainment, and that's a U31 out on University Avenue in North Park, it's San Diego, California. And uh, let's see, I, I forgot who's the opening band, so <clears throat> that's how that's how awesome I am. And then Skinks Roots Project, of course, is doing the Cal Roots 2017. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I, I wrote down some dates, but I didn't think they were right, but they are right. It's uh, May 26th to 29th. My God. Come on. What am I doing up here? Who gave me a mic? Okay. Here we go. And Cal Roots is going to be featuring um, awesome acts such as Thievery Corporation, Nas, Jurassic 5, um, and there's some other ones too. Those are the only ones I really care about. Um, oh, my page loaded. Revolution, cool. Dirty Heads, Soja, Iration, Stick Figure, Maz Yahoo. Lots of cool stuff. So you can hit up any one of us in the Skanks Roots Project and get tickets for that. Or you can go to CaliforniaRootsFestival.com and get your tickets. I know right now the they have tickets for a three-day pass for like $235. But it's going to go up as the date approaches. So feel free to reach out and say hi. And I think that's everything. I, I think I rambled on and stumbled over my own words enough to uh, call it that. So let's go ahead and bring on Tim Felton. Oh, here, let me get you some room, buddy. Got it. All right, Tim Felton. Uh, I think it's on. You might have to talk directly into it. We hey, hey, there you go. Yeah, I've got kind of a wide butt, so okay. Just had to move the table a little bit. That's okay. To, to That's fit okay, me in man. I, I feel you. Hey, you know what? You, if you need more room, I can scoot this this way. We have the little card table today because usually we have the the long white table that folds out. Okay. But since it's just me and you today, I figured, well, why not make it a little bit more intimate? This is very intimate. And like <laughs> it's like we are literally sitting on top of each other. Um, put your pants on, Tim. Hey, now. Uh, let me get you a little more. Hey, hey, check, check. Yeah, well, that should be all right. We're, we're good. We're good. Um, so, Tim, thank you for coming out here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, I really dig what you guys are doing, as in the Soul Fire. Ugh, God. I knew I was going to ruin it's, it. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It's not the first time it's been uh, mis missaid. <laughs> it's like soul, flowers, and fire somewhere is in there. Some fire, yep. So it's Surefire Soul Ensemble. There we go, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, so is 
are you the primary writer in that band or are you the one who's doing most of the arrangements on that um for the most part but some other guys are definitely contributing hev- heavily as well yeah um, a lot of the horn arrangements come from jesse adello okay he, he plays sax and flute and then uh, nick costa the guitar player he's also okay. contributed quite a lot yeah right on um those are some familiar names in the san diego circuit um so you just released this last album. What was it called again? I'm, I'm sorry, I should be better prepared. But oh, it's called Out on the Coast. Out on the Coast, and what that came out in October. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, well, we'll start from the beginning of it because I, I really dig the Surefire uh, sound. Thank you. And um, what what was sort of the beginning of uh, of the project? What 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 were you aiming for? What were your dreams, aspirations? Um, I guess just cut some some demos some tunes that i was working on with some guys here in town and i was really digging what uh Daptone was doing with yeah. some with the uh, with sharon jones and the dab kings and the, Bud- was- the budos band and you know i'm really into uh, david axelrod who is a uh, an la producer musician who, who just actually passed away a couple of days ago so I, oh, wow. I, and i got into him through dj shadow Oh yeah, DJ Shadow's amazing. Yeah, so I was, you know, kind of a coming from a, the hip hop side of things, but you know, getting into where the samples were coming from and getting into, into soul jazz, I was I was hugely influenced by a local band, the Great Boy All Stars, as well. Oh yeah, Jake's in that. Or his brother Zach. Or Zach, Zach. Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> two two gnarly crazy drummers. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so so it started just from the you're coming from a hip-hop aspect of it dj shout so it, are you familiar with poets of rhythm that oh b- yeah b- 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 rhythm then yes of course yeah. okay so because like that the last one they put out i think that's their last one the discern define i think lyrics born and dj shadow had a part uh in oh, that oh right yeah 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 they were pro- helping produce it that i remember the first time i ever heard that album i was definitely like getting high in the back of this record shop i was a kid i mean i wasn't that small i wasn't like nine getting high in the back of a record shop with some weird adults it was more like um uh, i was on break which i used to take like two hour breaks because i was the meat man at like in ohio it's called kroger but here it's called ralph right it's the same conglomerate and i would just leave for like <laughs> me and this old lady marion who was like two years from retirement would just take these two-hour breaks and just cover for each other and so i would just go and, and right next door was this music shop and then actually on the other side of the of the complex was a apartment building where my pot dealer lived so i was able to go and <laughs> go to my pot dealer hang out go to the record shop listen to music and get them high and i remember walking out to that opening song and I, I think it's actually called discern to find and like just fell in love with that that sound just that old i don't know that i guess that tape saturated sound Uh of just just, i mean it's amazing so yeah that's a that's a heavy record that was a huge huge influence on me as well yeah yeah i love that record yeah it's i i found an actual original copy out of japan i ordered off the internet immediately because i i had to have it um but yeah, so you're so what I've definitely noticed out of Surefire is that you definitely have that old like um I don't know like just that that throwback sound, and uh, 
what what do you attribute that to what do you, what like what's your process because you also run a recording studio as well correct mm-hmm. your own personal thing yeah uh what what do you attribute that sound to well it's uh i guess p- trying to play like the the older cats played yeah as far as like guitar drums bass just emulating how guys used to play they play play a, bit, a little bit different than than people do today yeah and then also, yeah, recording recording analog, hitting the tape hard to get the the crunchy, okay, the, the crunchy sound. Now you actually, because I think Jake, yeah, Jake just told me that you actually have the Tascam reel to reel, correct? Yeah, Tascam three eighty eight. Okay, now, I mean, like that seems like I mean I I don't know much about it other than I like it, you know, I really I, that's awesome, you know. Um, what's the type of maintenance like? Like, do you have to like tape and like? Do they still make the tape? I mean, like, how? Do yeah, they- there's there's a company that's that's making tape. I've just been using newer produced tapes. Some guys like to get the older tapes, like with use, stuff use that was like and record over like stuff. Yeah. Okay. Or or new old new old stock stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. Some so like you probably go on eBay or something and yeah, people do. I I, I just buy the new the new tape. There's a company called R- RMGI. Okay. And then so like most of this was recorded to that Tascam, your the Surefire every, stuff. Every, yeah, everything. Everything. Yeah, I mean like you can definitely tell that there's just like that 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 sound is, um, and like and like you were saying like the Dap Kings in Brooklyn, they were kind of doing that and, um. Uh man. Anyways, I don't know. Anyways. Um uh, so with the with the process uh with the recording drums for instance, I heard that you have to sort of record the drums first with like the highs kind of blown out almost. Is is that something that's still true or is that something that they used to do? Or? I, I roll the roll the lows off. You roll the lows off. Yeah. And sometime add add a little highs. Um yeah, we use and we use ribbon ribbon microphones as Okay. As opposed to condensers. Um or ribbon or dynamics, but I I like ribbons a lot. Uh, now you use ribbons for a lot of uh, a lot of the drums, like overheads and stuff like that. Yeah, and I try and do mi- pretty minimal miking. Okay, um, three maybe four drums. Wow, really? Or, sorry, mics. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I knew what you were saying, but okay, okay. So you would just have like what two overheads, a kick, and a snare. Y- usually, just record drums mono. So oh wow. So one overhead, one overhead, um, snare, kick, and then sometimes I'll have a a room mic. Um, sometimes it'll be out in front of the kick kit. Sometimes there's, there's, there's good placement on the side of the kick drum kind of over here because it's below the cymbals. Okay. It, it gets, it gets rid of some of the harshness ah, okay. that you get from, from miking overhead. I got you. Okay. That's interesting. So that, that, so that miking style is that sort of something that they used to do back in the day when they were doing it. So, Cause like you'll notice on some of those old recordings, how like <laughs> the drums will be almost on one side of the recording, and then you'll have other stuff sort of spread out. I didn't even realize that that's what they were doing—just sort of a mono mic setup, not really having the whole spread, which is. Yeah, yeah. The stereo miking—I'm—I'm I'm not sure when it came in. It might have been sometime in, in the in the 70s, or maybe they were doing it in the 60s. I don't know. It's just 
with me, I have got a small space that I record and it's not a very good sounding room. So I'm, mm. I, I want as few mics as possible. Ah, yeah. Cause the, okay. And I'm like trying to roll frequencies out. You know, my room has some, some waves that kind of pop out. And so I have to go in, in the EQ and kind of yeah tweak them out yeah kind of like dip them out carve carve out that those those sounds yeah, yeah that's that's kind of what i have to deal with with that room which is almost useless but it, i mean it's it's cool but it needs work <laughs> it's, it's always a work in process um when with your room did you actually do like that wave tests where you have the like yeah i, I did that um, and there, there's like all kinds. What's all that kinds called? Of, it's not the woo. <laughs> What's that called? Oh, I, for, I forget what it's called. There, there's, there's a mic that you can that you can use and have a speaker in there. Um, my buddy Jordan Andreen, who's a good local engineer, he helped me help me check it out. But my, in my room, it's a bunch of low end, oh. which I try and roll out for the for the drums and, uh, and when I record guitar in there, roll roll that out too. So so like for instance, on this on, on our room, we have. Um, since it's in the corner there, the the bass from the kick is just like booming, which is cool for rehearsals, but not so great for recording them. Yeah. Okay. Um, and why? Because I'm still learning, and it seems like you got a little bit more of a grip. Oh, well, bass frequencies tend to gather in, in corners. Yeah. No, oh, I'm saying like, why is that bad to record it? Is it just adding to the muddiness of the yeah, sound? Yeah, okay. it's just going to kind of take over the sound gotcha okay well that that makes sense i'm see now i'm just asking you <laughs> how, do and, I, and how do i mic my drum and if you got a bunch of low-end kick in there um your bass is just gonna get you know washed out they're gonna be competing with each other mm. yeah you what i've been noticing with my bass uh frequencies lately and these shitty little i used to have some decent mackies but they, they kind of ate shit so i'm sort of dealing with these right now um is I'm finding that I'm having trouble with the bass just being on top of everything, and I, I'll turn it down, and I still I'm just I because I want the bass, especially because I, I record a lot of acoustic stuff, and I just feel like it's crowding out everything, and um, I I know I know in one recent situation I had like a parallel compression thing. And I actually had to take the com one of the compressors just out, and I was dealing with um, digital, so I'm mm -hmm. dealing with waves and shit like that. Um, and it helped, but it's still just on top of everything. And I'm lowering it, and then it was, and then the bass isn't there, and it's just, I'm just I'm just having problems, especially not being able to get really good accurate bass uh, out of these speakers. What what would you suggest for something like that? Um, there, there's some evil frequencies that live around 400 hertz. Okay. You want to car try and carve those out a little bit. I see. Okay. And maybe roll off the real low end too, like below 50 kind of. Okay. The shit that doesn't, you can't even hear anyways, right? Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just rumble. Right. Right. Um, oh. that, I think that'll, that'll tighten it up. And then, yeah, around 400 is, is where some of your other instruments sit, like, like guitar and voice. Ah, okay. So they're, they're kind of sit, sitting in that range. So you want to. If you roll that out of the base, your other stuff can sit in there a little more easily. <laughs> sort of making room for everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Is it, is it funny, like, how, like, it's like you'll kind of know something? Because, like, I'm, I've known that. I've known that, like, solution. But, like, for some reason, I'm just, like, not applying that. It's like, because I've always known, well, not always, but I've known that you had to sort of, like, make room 
within your frequency spectrum uh, for each instrument to sit. I, and for some reason, it's like that didn't even occur to me. I don't, what the hell is that? It's just so much. I, I think it's just for me. It's just there's so much to know that it just it, it evades you or evades me. Yeah, it's just. A, I mean, recording is just like a lifelong learning process. So with the uh, with the uh, Surefire and these these last two albums, you recorded it all at your studio using your equipment. Mm-hmm. Now, were you mixing and mastering as well? Yeah, this last record we we mixed at Audio Design. Oh, okay. Um, but the the first one I mixed at my studio. I, I just on this last one, there were some things that bothered me about the first one, and I wanted to see if I could, you know, get get another engineer's ear on it. And you know, they have a really nice console there, so I wanted to mix on the on the API console with um. with the vintage compressors and EQs that that they have over there. Yeah, that that that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I. I can't like I can't hear the difference at this point in my ear training, but uh, that's sweet. That's cool. Like, um, what are uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this? I'm just because I'm, I'm so I'm so um, I'm such a I'm still like not beginner level of mixing and recording, but like you know like just I'm still just figuring things out like you said lifelong sure what what was like the biggest challenge of like the first one that you found in the mixing and mixing process and recording everything was there like a kind of a through line that was just sort of driving you nuts or something that you had to overcome that i I guess just uh i just got a a bunch of new equipment when i did it oh so you had to learn everything so yeah i I was kind of getting used to how how things sounded um I, I didn't, you know, I was record, I'm recording in my house, so it's not like the best acoustic space or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of learning how to tweak stuff and, you know, get out the the nasty frequencies. And yeah, in my in our in the first record, I didn't really, you know, there's a bunch of that 400 uh-huh. kind of sitting in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. In there, it's a little bit congested, especially with the drums. When you take that out of the drums too, it just carves a. There's a lot more room for the other yeah. in- instruments to s- sit because. You know, drums take up full. That's full frequencies. Yeah, spectrum. For sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so it's just sort of getting to know your equipment, getting to know your space, getting to know. Um, yeah, I, that's cool. Uh, so with this, um, did you didn't did you find that it was a little bit easier and a little bit more of a a, a quicker process for you then, or for the for, for the, the, the last one, the last album. Uh, as, far, as far as mixing, I kind of like pre mixed everything, and then and then we took it into to audio design and then we just like zero out the board okay so so it's basically my mixes feeding in uh-huh. and then and then tweak them there ah, and okay. then and, and you can hear the low end a lot better in, in their room their room's ni- nice and pretty pretty tuned up yeah it's made for all of that <laughs> not, not like this where there's like bass traps everywhere like like what the hell is that doing for my sound you know like <laughs> this little like cave of sound trapping over there yeah uh it's it's fucking it's a rat race man like it just you just run around in circles and it's frustrating but it, it's like uh it's one of those things that is i think what people don't understand about like recording and engineering and stuff that it's like learning a new instrument altogether because you are totally kinda, kind of um i mean like you're shaping the sounds of all these instruments and oh my god it just it's mind-boggling yeah and, and every single time i record I learned I learned something new, like every single time, or I try right? an experiment, you know, ah. so that I am kind of 
what's sort of like the last experiment that you sort of learned something that was like a like a good uh a, a big big breakthrough i mean however you can judge that i don't <laughs> but what was like a a breakthrough for you and the that you can remember that sort of just really turned on the light i, I mean i i'd known for a while about different mic placing placements for the drums but mm -hmm. just kind of I mean, we, we get so used to like just doing what we normally do. Like I used to just set up an overhead, set up one kind of on the snare, set one up on the kick. But then, you know, I started setting one up over here below the cymbals, below the snare. Okay. So then you're not getting the, the overtone of the snare. Okay. Um, the toms aren't popping out as much. Um, and it just sounds like it's just really well balanced kind of over there with, with one microphone. Yeah. And... So, so sort of trying to figure out, like, trying to minimize the miking and trying to get the best sound out of that. And yeah, just just letting go of the old techniques. Yeah. Um, yeah, two overheads every time. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah letting go of that stuff and, and just being able to try some new stuff and, um, you know, tweak the sounds going into the recording rather than messing with them in mixing yeah trying totally. trying to get a really good sound going in yeah totally man like that's well um, when that's what I, I, that's like that's always my goal is like what's the minimal amount of stuff i have to do to this it's like the capture is good and it, i mean shit you know just keeping it simple as possible but then, you know, you start fucking around and then you end up <laughs> like chaining yourself into a corner, you know, putting all these effects on there. I think I saw on your Facebook that you got like a new, uh, like a vintage compressor or something. Like, is that, was that you? I've, I've got a, a couple. Something um, that you just got like recently. Hmm. Uh, was that you? Maybe it wasn't <laughs> you. Maybe <laughs> fucking Facebook got me. Uh, but what what are some of like uh, what are some of the gems that you really you kind of go to a lot in your in your setup? Um, I I like the the Bayer ribbon mics, the Bayer M one sixty. Those those are real cool. What what are those um what what do those run? Um, I think it's like seven hundred a piece, right? Yeah, yeah, and then I've got one that's got an, an old RCA ribbon in it. Oh, okay. So, so that one's modified, and that one's really cool sounding. Do you uh, do you know how to do the mod stuff? Do you soldering? Not, not so much. I mean, I could work on on my roads. Mm, yeah, with the tines. And yeah, and and like tune tune the clavinet, but yeah, I, I can't I can't get in there with the solder and all You're that. Not a circuit bender. No, is that uh, that's what I appreciate about Al Howard, who uh, is great lyricist, but also he always has his little circuit bent stuff. Oh yeah. Like, that's, that's that's what that's uh, boner time i love that stuff i'm trying to actually learn how to do that i've been starting slow lately um actually yeah so i have this old stupid casio that um i have this old casio i don't even know ma 100 but i just added this thing in here this quarter inch because they didn't think to put even a headphone jack on the stupid thing oh so it just comes out the speakers or the speaker yeah it's just like i mean it's obviously a toy you know from you know from the 80s or whatever but i was like man there's some cool little sounds in there and i i like that vintage sound i can never really afford vintage stuff so it's nice to have like 
even even if it's silly sounding, it's like it's got, I can, it's got like I can. a dog bark on there. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, you watch Bob's Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I added this quarter inch in there, and along with that, I added in this low frequency ground hum. So that's fun. That I'm trying to work through that. I had a couple people suggest like maybe a ground lift. But and then maybe a transistor's messed up, but huh. that's about as circuit bendy as I get. <laughs> it's like because all I did was tap into the positive and negative of the speaker and then to the out of to just to this uh quarter inch female that I harvested from just my electronic graveyard. <laughs> but <laughs> do you have an electronic graveyard that's just sort of like you got stuff that you're gonna fix? Mostly cables. Most, mostly, mo- yeah, mo- I'm going to fix these mo- cables. Mostly broken, broken cables. <laughs> For real. I used to do that a lot, and then my wife started just, like, throwing shit away. She's just like, no, you're never going to do this. But now, I don't know. I've just gotten this, this like, it's just in the last couple weeks, I've just been sort of like, oh, I want to just get in there and fix it. Like, my Behringer, which I don't care for Behringer in the first place, but this was a pretty awesome deal when I first got this Behringer... Um, uh, keyboard amp back mm-hmm. there. Uh, the pods were starting. The pots were starting to get dirty, so I had to go in there and actually take it apart. And then they had the little circuit board, and I had to unscrew everything. And I, I mean, I don't usually like those like meticulous little things, but lately it's just been like, oh my god. Uh, do you are you able to like just sort of do general maintenance on yourself? Like if you had to clean your potentiometers or something, would you? I'm going to spray it with some contact cleaner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, that's it's the extent, though, right? It's like I got my duster and I got my contact and, cleaner. And, I've, and for the tape machine, I can, like, de- demagnetize the, the heads. And, oh, sweet. And, you know, just clean clean them with, uh, yeah, yeah. with alcohol. Rubbing alcohol. Do you use cotton swabs or what are you supposed to use? Q- Q-tips. Q-tips, okay. Um, so, yeah, the maintenance of that. So, is are those tape machines prone to break a lot, or do they are they pretty durable? I, I've had really good luck with mine. Um, it needed a new belt when I got it, and that was a twenty dollar part, mm. which I installed myself. And, oh, yeah. and I've had no. Well, I had to fonz it once because one of the channels wasn't uh wasn't recording. What's the what's that mean? That's where you just gently tap it on on the top with your fist. Uh, Fonzie, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just had to give it, just had to give it the Fonzie, hey. yeah. Just had to give it the hey, and it came it came back. So. <laughs> so, yeah. So everyone knows it's a technical term. You fonz your equipment sometimes, and it works. So that that's and now it's just fine. It just that's it. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I had these I had some channels blow out in my PA head over here and the miracle that is contact cleaner. I just sprayed it into the little mic, the XLR inputs. Yeah. Everything brought, works perfect. Brought brought it back. Right back to life. And also the fan in the back was um was down in like a sick cat and, and the fans cooling off the amp so it doesn't you know overheat and burn up yeah so i had to take that apart which i thought i broke <laughs> because i was unscrewing it from the back and they have um the amp screwed into the back plate so i'm just unscrewing stuff and then all of a sudden i just feel it like <laughs> and it drops inside and i was like how the hell am i getting and it has this little side door and i'm trying to get it and line it up with the screws sitting there pulling my my fucking hair out and finally, like, 
I just started unscrewing more stuff, and and I was like, "How do you open this goddamn thing?" And then I realized that you just gotta kind of pop it open, but <laughs> but it works now. I mean, like that's nice. that's the important part. Is like I fixed it, I did it. That that's I think that's the biggest thing. Is like I haven't had any real unsuccessful things. Like wow, this just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so that sucks. Uh, so I think I'm just sort of on a roll, and I feel like I can just. Go in there and stuff. I want to do that mod um, for the um, the MXL. What's the cheap one they have? The oh, the M- microphone? Yeah, the n- something 90, right? I have the microphone, but what, you know. What's the mod? Oh, my God. It's like the basic shit. Is it on the on the it's like the scr- mx90 on the, on the screen of it or, or is it a physical mod or is it like a it's a it's a it's actually because you're replacing the capsule and you're replacing like some transistors and stuff in oh, okay. there to kind of like a uh, model it after like a quality of like a, a neve oh no- some, neumann 80 neumann neve. 80, 80, that's a fucking that's the board yeah. yes exactly um what is that called the mxl i'm gonna google it tim felton <laughs> we're gonna do this live yeah, yeah i did a a physical mod on a on a diaphragm or on the ca- on the capsule on on those o- octava mics okay yeah you just basically take the dome the dome off the top it's got like a double grill oh so i just used some uh wire cutters and you just cut that shit t- off took the the rounded part off the top but that's 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 about as mod, <laughs> mod crazy as i've gotten yeah yeah uh, plus with my soldering iron it's like uh it's 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 completely screwed. So, actually, to make the hole for this, I was just sticking it through, like melting it through. It's, it's uh, I just got to replace the tip. The MXL mod, I'll just Google that and see what comes up. Have you heard of that mod? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, the 990. So, it's the, I have an MXL 990, and I want to do that mod, and it, I think it only costs like, like a couple hundred bucks to get all the parts. Mm-hmm. But then... <laughs> and it's like you gotta actually go in there and do it and then hopefully it works um or you just don't have a mic anymore <laughs> so yeah and and you're 200 dollars short and you could have put that towards something else yeah but that's my recent one right here this is my recent buy is the yamaha reface have you seen those reface releases is that a controller? What, what no, is no, it? that is actually a. Um, it's modeled after the Yamaha. Was it the CS8? Is that what they call them? The old synthesizer from the 80s. Hmm. It's awesome. It's actually pretty cool. It's not analog, which that was one of the big things that I kind of was not into because I was looking into just getting a, a cheaper, a little low end um synth and so i was looking at the korg mini log have you seen those the, the new one no i haven't s- i've got one of the micro the mi- micro Korgs. micro Korgs. those things are amazing i love my micro Korg somewhere oh it's in the trunk i got a gig tonight uh <laughs> but uh that's what bothered me about this but it was um but it because it's analog modeling so it's basically just a plug-in in a physical form you know but it's pretty fucking cool because just the like just the range that it has and what it's capable of doing it's definitely has it carries through that 80s sound that i i like as you could, you could hear from the opening and you're <laughs> being played on i like making shitty 80s songs just for fun because why not 
(laughs) (laughs) And plus, I I just dig that sound. I mean, I have a Nord Electro, which is modeled after, you know, the B3 and the Rhodes and Wurlitzer. And then I got the Micro Korg, which has some really cool old sounds. Um, And then that. So that's just going to be my thing, I guess, which I think is everybody's thing now. But (laughs) but it's it's just amazing. Um, With this with these records, is there any uh, keyboards that you're using that are digital, or are these all like like the old like I think you had Wurlitzers on there, right? The, yeah. Were you using your Nord at all, or were you? I had to use my Nord because my Whirly was out of tune. Oh, uh, which one is it? There it is. Yeah, the session. It was time to do the session, and the Whirly had a couple. Sometimes you can get away with it if you're not using the note, the specific notes that are out of tune. But this one had a couple that were, that were right in there, and then I think I had a, a few broken, broken reeds too. So, so I had to, I had to fake the funk, <laughs> and use the Nord whirly sound. That's okay. But, but the Nord, I mean, they're incredible machines. Like for someone, for, oh, yeah. for a gigging musician who wants those kind of sounds, like there's probably no other instrument that's better than that and, and it weighs like 25 pounds it's like i'm literally gonna be walking yeah, into super a, light yeah i'm gonna be walking into a gig tonight with my backpack on my like nord gig bag and my amp and my keyboard thin and then i have to go get the micro cord too but <laughs> <laughs> that's always that was always my dream just to have everything all because like you know how you see these guitar players who'll show up with their like little cubes or their little like m- little combos their little you know and you're just like, damn. It's on will- wheels. They're just like wheeling it in. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even like they'll have like those little tiny combo where they just walk in with their their amp and they'll have their their gig bag on their back and they'll have whatever else in this hand and they're ready to plug in. And, <laughs> and those little combos, like some of the, like the, um, like the Mesa Boogies have some cool stuff and like the orange combo amps, those little, they are incredible. They have great sound and... Anyways, I got jealous of that. So. so it's a little harder for the the drummers, the the, the <laughs> keyboard players, and the percussionists. Right. Well, that's why I love the Nord so much is because it's, you just strap this shit on, and I got this little um, I got this rolling I forget what it's called, but it's modeled after the the stereo one, whatever that one, the little rolling, you know, the blue amps, the blue carpet on there, the K something. Huh. I'm bad at that. It's a keyboard amp, and but it's small. It's like this. It's like a little personal monitor, and I love this thing. Like it's, it's twenty pounds. It, it's stereo capability. It has like some like the reverb sounds pretty good, and it's three channel, and it's perfect. I, I used it for this one love gig that I just did, and we were playing like this big huge stage, and I was able to have my own personal monitor right here, and the monitor the 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 stage sound guy was kind of meh. he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> you know? and so i was able to have this little this it was perfect and at first i felt kind of inadequate because they had like this big uh this big ampeg full stack and then they had like the marshall full oh yeah stack. i thought you were just gonna get bl- blown out of the water yeah but like it was perfect it so uh, this is the greatest thing I ever bought. I'm just like walking around like this, and I was like, you know what? Fuck you, guitar players. I can do this too. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one. I know my amp's definitely too heavy. I've, I've got one of those Fender concerts. It must weigh like oh, 60 pounds or Jesus. something. Well, that thing weighs like almost 100 pounds right there. That Behringer. That guy. Yeah. It's okay. 
you know what? I'm not going to talk too much shit. It's gotten me through a lot of shit. So, love you, Behringer. But I don't really care for Behringer that much. <laughs> it was just cheap. And I, and I had the money. And I was like, okay, I'll buy this or whatever. Yeah, it works. Does gets the job done. Yeah, well, it's great now for just um, the in-studio rehearsals because it carries and, like, like to take that little amp to, uh, like, a full-on rehearsal probably wouldn't be that great because you just have to crank it up and distort it out. But, like, something like that is perfect just if... Because right. I mostly tell people, it's like, well, I'll rehearse, but you, I have a space, so like you can just come to my space. Because I, I like renting spaces when you have your own space. It's like, what the fuck that? Anyways, that. so you you had to use the you had to use the Nord, but everything else is sort of legit. You have a uh, you were you were using a B three. Yeah, I have one. I have one of those in my studio. So so yeah, I use the real Rhodes, real Clavinet, uh, real Farfisa, real oh. real B three. Ooh, and there's some. Is there any real whirly on there? No, I think I think I just had ignored most most of it. There might be a little bit of, of the real whirly before before I broke the reeds and it went out of tune. <laughs> See, like I I used to have a Rhodes, and I I know how to sort of tune those. But like, what goes into the reeds and tuning that? You have to use a file. A file. Yeah, or solder. What? Okay. So if they're <laughs> so if they are. Um, flat. File it. Wow. If it's sharp, add solder. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't solder, so I have to get my friend to do it. Holy shit, that's intense, dude. Because like with the roads, all you gotta do is like move that little spring, spring up and down. It's way, it's way easier. I, I can do that. Yeah. yeah, that's easy, right? That's that's. I get it. And replacing tines, that's not hard. It's just that read. So. When you're replacing a reed, do they come just like f at full size and you have to file it down to your size to match your note? Or do you... Uh... They come, Yeah, they come sized properly. Okay, so... And they, and they usually come with a piece of solder on there, so it's close. They make it so that you're just supposed to be able to file it a little bit to get mm -hmm. it in tune. But if you file too much... So it's flat, right? You file it for flat and sharp for... This is a lot of thinking right now. Trying to, try, I, 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 I might have I misspoke. I'll try to I'll try to think. If you have something that's big, Tim Felton, you're and about you, to get a lot of hay bale, and you take away from it, it should get sharper, right? It, yeah, that's it, what I'm guessing. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Because like, if you think about it, when you're like filling up um, like beer bottles with water or something, like if I can, the more you get, the, the higher, higher higher pitch. pitch. So. I don't know if that's a good analogy. That's the that's an opposite analogy, I think. Yeah. Oh, oh my <laughs> god, we need to look we're, before we bear ourselves. We could we could move on. Um, I'm not being rude, by the way. I am just uh, I got some stuff written down here, so I'll be referring oh, yeah. to my no problem my my pocket slave. That's where we that's where we keep our notes these days. Oh my god, it's, it's everything. I'm such a slave to this thing, unfortunately. Um, but I still love it. I love this goddamn thing. And that's another cool thing about this Reface CS is um, so it has a you can't really set presets on it. Um, uh, this might be cool to some people, might not be that cool to some people, but I'm all about incorporating technology. So um, you can hook it up to your phone and you can store your presets into your phone as in um, through their app. So like Yamaha has this little sound mondo thing. Okay. So I have like all these fucking things here. But the coolest thing to me about this app is that there is sort of like a social media aspect to it. 
where people create sounds uh, that you can actually download and edit onto your um, onto your personal bank. Okay. So like, there's some there's some like all stars on here who you always see has like five star ratings and stuff. Uh, Ancient Time Lead is one of them. I've only gotten this. I've only had this thing for like a week, so I'm still learning the ins and outs and learning what what kind of does what. Um, but yeah, that's what I love about this thing is that you can sort of hook it up to your phone, set your presets, and then you can sort of explore what other people are doing with it. I think that's unique. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you have any old synths at all, or do you just mostly like the... No, I wish I did. I wish I had a mini mug, but that's like, that's next level stuff right there. That's like $4,000 investment. Right? The Voyagers and stuff. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> not either. I like synths, but not that much. Right. Well, yeah, not enough to like miss your mortgage, baby. You know, it's like shit. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why, you know, this thing was $400. And I had, okay. I had some Amazon bucks from Christmas. Thank you, Mom, that helped with that. Actually, uh, before I had that, I had, um, have you messed with those micro synths from Electroharmonics at all? No. They're, it's pretty cool. You can get, like, some cool envelope-type shits out of them, and it has um, octave, it has several octaves, like it has, um, like, the fifth and the... Is it a pedal or what? It's a pedal. It's oh, a okay. foot pedal. So, like, I'll run, I'll run my stuff usually through a pedal, so, like... Um, I'll run my Nord through a. <laughs> do you remember uh, the Dan? I don't know, maybe not. The Dan Electro created this Stomp um, Spring Reverb pedal. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So I got one of those because I wanted just to have a Spring Reverb. It, it sounds okay. It's a little tinny, but it works for what I'm trying to do. And um, so, I, and then I have it going through Electro Harmonics um, Memory Boy. Just for delay, obviously. Nice. And then, um, and then when I'm really set up, I have the 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 tube compressing tube compressor electroharmonics, and then I have like a little moog moog whatever a filter. Uh, or? Um, it's it's actually interesting. It's this uh it's a it's a distortion pedal that has like this huge wide range, like and you can like scoop out the middle, but it has you, you can just sort of like it has a great range, and you can hook up a um. What the hell? The expression pedal to it. Oh, okay. And you can sort of make it into like a wah pedal. And oh, nice. So it has a filter on it. So it has like a Moog filter on it that you can just... Oh, cool. It's pretty cool. So like I'll use that for like, you know, clav and that for like a wah clav sound sometimes. Or nice. I'll just use the built-in wah, whatever, whatever comes first. Whatever I feel like setting up that day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but... But yeah, so like I, I like running my boards through pedals. You running your boards through any pedals? I mean, I've, I've got just a Behringer analog, <laughs> quote unquote, analog <laughs> delay pedal. Okay, and I like it because it because you can feed it out and make like those kind of spacey delay sounds. See the yeah oh yeah okay like I the mean, feedback turn to feedback. Yeah, and it, it doesn't quite sound like an Echoplex. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a twenty dollar Behringer yeah, yeah. pedal we're talking about here, but it's. It you know it goes on the can go on the road easily. And it's, yeah, it's never yeah. gonna break. And if it does, yeah. it's twenty bucks. <laughs> it's twenty bucks. <laughs> son. The, the yeah, I, I I dig that man. Um, so that's about the that's about as far as you go with the delays and or with the effects. At least on on a gig, yeah. Um, I have, I have a roll in space 
Roland Space Echo, like like a real one that oh, really? that I that I record with. Oh, those are fun. Yeah, so so I'll use I'll use that, and that's you know those sound bitching. Oh my god, have you seen? Have you seen those new um, space? Oh, I always forget the name of it. I am such an asshole. Um, what is it? Space time? Oh, space time. They're using actual cassette tapes now. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I wish I could. Let me see. I'll show you because I I just got like I popped the huge bone. It's, it's a tape delay. It's a tape delay, and they use an actual cassette tape, and it's this guy out of New York, uh, Brooklyn, of course, and who like just makes so many a year, and you have to be on the email. Oh list. wow, limited. Uh huh. Would you can buy one? I still I think you can still buy one for five hundred dollars. And plus he he'll uh, he also so it's handmade, and he also adds like a foot pedal to turn it on. The only problem is, is you can't do like a tap delay on it, which whatever. It, is there a tap? There's not tap delay on no. the Roland Space Echo. No. Right? Um, oh my god! Oh my god! Cassette tape. So yeah, they probably just make a make a tape tape loop in the cassette. Mm. Um, but yeah, space case, space case. Oh, that's, yes, that's cool. I just want to show you the picture because I mean, you seem like you appreciate these types of things. Five hundred bucks. It's a lot cheaper than a space echo, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So, let me just show. You. I'll show you like a picture of it on Pinterest. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Oh come on, you you expect me to sign up for a picture? I do want to sign up for a picture. So I'll just zoom in, kind of. So like, there's the foot pedal. There's like the little. Oh, that is so shitty. Let me see if they have a better picture on here. Oh yeah, totally. So here's like so here's like at a glance you sort of see it just looks like a they took like a tape. Yeah, player. it's like looks like a field recorder. Yeah. Like a cassette field recorder. Cassette field recorder from the eighties. That they just sort of added some some potentiometers and did some weird shit. And and after I saw that, because I saw it like a friend of mine in Ohio well, I guess not a friend, but a, someone I know. I don't know why I had to make that uh, make that distinct. <laughs> dis I saw a guy on Instagram had one in Ohio on his pedal board, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And looks cool. I googled it, and I just was like, "Oh my god!" So I immediately signed up for the. Um, the S newsletter space case it's called a space case te1 and um nice and i saw some of the online demos it's so legit and like the what what it can do for like vocals it has like a great i don't know like um like it has a great slapback for vocals mm -hmm. that just i mean it just it's beautiful the, does it have a spring reverb in it too or i no? don't think so okay, i think so it's, it's just a tape delay. yeah it's just a tape delay but it's <coughs> does 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 the rolling space echo have springs? Mo most most of them do really yeah most and of the echoplexes do they have them no oh okay so that was sort of unique to the space echo yeah the, the um the 201 um and i think the 301 301 has chorus as well hey oh and the 555 yeah those I think the the only one that didn't was the 101 didn't have a spring reverb. You have the one with the spring. Yeah, 201 Ooh, has a spring. Sexy. It's, it it is sexy. <laughs> it is sexy. <laughs> Very sexy. Um, yeah. So oh yeah, and then so they sort of put this up here just to sort of tease you. It says uh, October 16th batch sold out. August 16th batch sold out. So 
they sell out every time. Uh, how much are those space echoes running these days? Like yours, how much are do those run? Probably like nine, eight or nine hundred dollars, yeah, which, so which, is, which is a lot to pay for it. I, I got mine like fifteen years ago, so it was a lot. It was a lot cheaper. What's the maintenance that you had to uh, clean? Just clean it, and then I had to replace the tape, mm. which is uh, it's quarter inch tape. Okay. Um, which I could probably I didn't do it myself the first time, but if it happened again, I could probably just do it, do it myself. Nice. You make basically just make a tape loop in there. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah. And as far as cleaning it, just had to get in there with some with some alcohol and. Hell, we know about that. Yeah, clean, <laughs> clean, and clean it off. Get those dog clean tape heads. <laughs> How do you demagnetize the tape heads? You said something about that. Yeah, you're supposed to do that before every session, which. I don't always do because I because I'm I'm a nervous kind of guy. I, I take every single hard drive and reel of tape that's in my studio out of the studio be- oh. before I demagnetize. I I probably don't need to do that. And if anyone's listening that actually knows about this, <laughs> tell me tell me I don't need to do it. So I don't, so I don't do it anymore because it takes me way too long. <laughs> Someone please save me <laughs> from myself. <laughs> but that's okay because I mean there's nothing worse than losing entire recordings. Yeah, because I've got all these reels of tape that sit above the tape machine and mm. you know i've got this big magnet oh so you just take a magnet and well well it's like this handheld thing that you plug in oh okay and it just kind of vibrates low <laughs> and you feel really nervous because you don't want to like touch the tape head because that could like ru- ruin it oh my god so you're just kind of like oh you start waving it around yeah <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a magic wand yes yeah, like you're like, a, you're like yeah, yeah you're like a wizard <laughs> trying to trying to get rid of the demons oh man cast them to their place in hell Oh my gosh! Um, so, um, you're uh, when I was looking through your um, Spotify, I noticed that you guys did like a meters cover, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a, and that's sort of it's pretty like I get what almost two hundred thousand hits on it. Yeah, that one's doing well. Yeah, how did so? I always hate to ask people like specific numbers, but like since I mean this is a music podcast and for people trying to do music kind of and then me i talk about my wiener sometimes but i know uh, <laughs> but but mostly i like to talk about music um what are like because it being a cover you kind of have to pay royalties to that but like how does that work with spotify and the count like it, like do you get so like i'm talking about monetizing right i think it's i think it's probably been a cup yeah no more than a couple hundred dollars for that okay and that's yeah with paying whoever owns the um the ro- the the licenses for the song okay. and the recording whether so, whether it's the label or the meters or whoever owns it you know so did you when you initially had to release it did you have to like clear it with like their publishing it's a, it's a, an agency called Harry, Harry Fox agency oh okay it's, it's an online thing you just go on there and and they take care of it oh i see i see it's just sort of like how ascap sort of like generally covers Mm-hmm. You go, you go on there, and then we didn't have to pay much. I think it was, I, I, I shouldn't say because the, la- the label took took care of it, but it wasn't, oh, okay. it wasn't like a, a huge oh, like, amount of money. Okay, okay, so it was affordable. Okay, so, okay, that was a, that's interesting because I was just like, oh, well, what, well, how does that work? Because like right now, me and my wife are sort of like figuring out how to monetize this online stuff. You know, we're trying to figure out like YouTube and stuff. Do you have it on YouTube as well? It's on YouTube, but yeah, not not as. Uh, not as many hits on there. The Spotify thing happened because I think we were added to a couple of uh, of funk 
playlists. Oh, okay, that cool. Get, that get a lot of play. So. Oh, I see. I think I it kind of kind of took off there. That's cool though. Yeah. Have you um, from that? Have you gotten any kind of opportunities from just that the the that song? Like it, I don't know gigs or anything like that. Not or? that I can pinpoint <laughs> okay no i was just interested because you know sometimes some like just random things yeah leads to another I'm, sure, thing. I'm sure maybe we got some new some new fans or some people maybe bought bought our record or something mm-hmm. because of it yeah yeah that's what well, shit i did well nice <laughs> that, thank you that's that's what uh that's what cover songs are, are good for you know um well it wasn't because of that song but i i get it but the meters i mean they're they're like one of the biggest legends of of funk yeah just that that new orleans funk just oh my god they're just so fucking good there's this one album i don't know if it's the best of i think i have like a best of meters or something i don't know what it is but i used to like just (laughs) i used to get like wasted when i used to drink i would get like wasted and at like four in the morning i would just blast this and you know it's a uh yeah (laughs) Yeah. I had the Sissy Strut. Yeah, Sissy Strut. And uh, wake up my entire household, and (laughs) I'll just be out there like shirtless, just like, yeah. (laughs) But like repeatedly, like over a long period of time, consistently just be awake still drinking by myself. Like, I'm going to lose the But, you know, New Orleans drinking. Funk, I mean, all kinds of go, to, kinds of goes together. Okay. Yeah, all right, I can't talk. New Orleans is a party town. I, I went there for the first time over Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, what were you doing? We were just, uh, my wife and I just took a trip there. She'd been there a couple times for work, and she's like, "Yeah, we got, you got to go there. You, you know, go. this is where Doctor John and the Meters are from." Is that what was that how she was selling it to you? Well, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So and, she's a she's a fan of and music. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays in the band. Oh, really? What she play? She plays the, the shaker a and the oh, and, and uh, tambourine. That's it's always interesting being in the same band with your spouse. Oh yeah. Do you guys um do you guys ever have any like disagreements about arrangements or anything? Or? It's usually not over the music. <laughs> <laughs> it's something deeper than music. <laughs> Well, it's so interesting because I met my wife in um, in a band originally. Oh, nice! And even in that band, we used to butt heads. Like she'd be like, "No, I don't think that's how it go." And she's a vocalist, so you know. And like, and there's always like that weird like instrumentalist vocalist thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 so like, um, there's always just been this thing. So like, when it comes into play, like because we do our own little, we do our act together. We have an act together as well, and. Um, I mean, you know, it can get kind of heated because of like it, you kind of like, I kind of like separate, you know, this, you know, intimate love. And then you have like this other intimate love music and you're just sort of like, I separate the other part. And then we're just like, no, fuck that. Fuck you. This is how it's going. It's like, no, I'm doing it like this. Uh, just a little insight to <laughs> spouse musician stuff. Yeah. But it seems like you guys got, it seems like. I mean, so she is more percussion. It probably seems like it's more like she's probably not like no, 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 no. Play the B flat to the F. It'll sound way better. Trust me. She she just really holds the band together on on stage. She's like our metronome up there. With, oh, nice. And the shaker like cuts through everything, so it's like yeah. 
and everyone, oh, yeah. everyone's like focusing on her. Yeah, and so she's doing all the on the recording as well. Yeah, she plays. Yeah, she plays those instruments oh, on, awesome. on the recordings too. I love it. Maybe I should just have Raina be a hand percussionist. percussionist. It's like, how about you stop singing? Just go in the back there, sweetie. Shake your shaker. No, I'm not trying to diminish the role of the hand percussionist. Um, with the with the when you do your live shows, like what's usually your setup? So, like, what can people expect this Saturday at the Music Box? Um, I won't have the Hammond because we we got the middle slot. Mm. So I'm bringing the Nord. Oh shit! So we'll have keys, bass, drums, guitar, percussion, or two percussionists. We have a, we have a conga player, Hey-o. and then we have Cheryl on the shaker and tambourine. And then we'll have, I think we'll just have two horns, but sometimes we have three. So it's it's going to be an eight or nine piece. Oh, damn. You guys played a New Year's show in uh, Frisco, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, that was really fun. What? How did that happen? Cause, like, We've been playing the the club, the Boom Boom Room, okay. um, for a few years now. Oh, okay. And they just offered you that, that yeah, spot? Yeah, they... They were super generous and and gave us a gave wow. us a good rate and gave us that wow. that slot. We the music goes there sometimes till almost four in the morning. Were you going till four in the morning? We played till yeah about three forty five. Holy shit! Um, what time did you start? One. Oh okay, so you already started. So it was a uh, it was there was other bands and stuff too. Yeah, th- there was a band that played from. 10 to twelve thirty. Oh, okay cool and um you guys just closed it out yeah we closed it out and there was people there until like 2 30 they, they finally stopped serving around 2 30 and then so that you know over the over the next course was like all the zombies coming in from <laughs> from other places yeah uh, after hours that's just cool i mean because i mean <laughs> there's something about like just drunk people just uh, just moving especially that late into the evening is that, have you had anybody ever try to come and like start trying to play your keyboard? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. That, I that, guess that, that's a silly question. That used to happen. It used to happen at at Bar Pink a lot here. Oh yeah, town. you're like right on top of the crowd. And yeah. They're just like, oh, I know how to play a song. Or, or yeah, you take a set break and someone will like come up and sit sit on the <laughs> on the drum kit and start playing oh. or something. That it's annoying. People stop. Just stop. We we all know that you want everybody to pay attention to you. We know that you, whatever. That's what Facebook is for. Play your stupid drums on Facebook and then post it. Don't play other people's instruments at their gig. <laughs> True. I had this one guy recently who was just kept on coming over and he would just kept on hitting like one note in the middle of a song. Oh man. Just like coming over hitting like it was a high. It was on the other end. It was like a high C or something. And he's just like, bing, bing, like in the middle of a song. And it was dissonant because that wasn't the key it was in. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, like, stop, stop. <laughs> so finally he, like, did it. And I'm like, Bang! like, with my knuckle, though. <laughs> oh, damn. And then I had him bounced because that's how, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> I don't take shit for too long. I'll take a little shit, but not a lot of shit. Yeah, um, give give a drunk person there a chance. Yeah, because you know what? I've been there. I've been that guy. Well, I've never been the guy who runs up on stage and is like, I gotta play this piano now, but I have been that guy who's like, you suck, which is awful. It's like, <sighs> I there's a reason why my music career started after I started, stopped drinking. <laughs> hey, I've definitely drunk guy, you know, at least like a, a conga player or something, just gone, gone up there and tapped on it. So, <laughs> We're so, all guilty. So, you know, it's happened. 
<laughs> it happens, you know, alcohol. So you got to give them a little bit of a break, just a little. But once they, like, pass that threshold, it's like, it's like nah, buddy, you're, you're fucking you're gone. Which the bar that we were playing, we're cool with the security, so it's like, if we say this shit, you know, this has to stop, they'll stop it. Thank God. Yeah. Sometimes you work at places where security is kind of like, whatever, a lackadaisical, and people are just running amok and doing whatever the fuck they want. Okay, I just need to leave now. Um, so, well, this Music Box show, what's the... Um, there's other bands, right? I think my buddy Jeremy Dietz is playing with his band. Is, it, is that the routine, or is he in the, the, funk, the funk soul collective? Or? Um, I think... I th- I'm not sure if it's the if it's the Funkadelic band. Are they playing? Or maybe he's not even in that band. I don't even There's know. some some band of a collective of, of individuals who I have not met yet. Oh. And they're called like the Funk Soul House House Band. It might be them. And then the Routine is playing as well. Routine though is uh, pretty Ricky, and right that's Ricky's band. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't met any of those guys. Oh okay okay Ricky is, okay is he the vocalist? No, I think he's the guitar player. He's a little, he's a short dude. Oh, I know Ricky. Yeah. Short on him. I don't, he doesn't play in that band. Oh, okay. What the fuck am I talking about then? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why Tim Felton, I don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about. I'm just making shit up. Just spouse it. No, but I, lo- I love Ricky though. He's he's a super cool guy. Oh, yeah. Ricky's great. And he's a great player and just just, just really laid back, dude. I, just, I appreciate that. But he's a monster, man. Yeah. I see some of those videos he posts. I have such a hard, do you have kids? Or, no. Oh, yeah. Lucky man. Do you guys want kids? Uh-oh. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Well, enjoy this moment of your life if you get to keep it. I mean... Oh, I do, you have, do you have some kids? I have one and a half kids. One and a half? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of inherited one. Oh, okay. She's awesome, and actually she helps. She's four, he's three, so like she's like pretty she's about to be five so she's pretty mature so she she kind of like keeps an eye on them keeps them busy and they keep each other busy now at first my son would just like punch her in the face all the time but now they're cool <laughs> now they're just now they just hang out with each other and every once in a while i was like eh, he, she touched my butt or whatever it is you know it's ridiculous we had some incidences incidences in incidents a couple incidents this um this last week where it's like one's pissing the bed the other one's shitting their pants so like oh, that, that's that, not, that doesn't sound fun that that's so that's what you're avoiding plus like the constant and like me and my wife are both working musicians so it's like babysitters it's just a fucking pain in the ass yeah. i love them and they shape who i am now but man <laughs> <laughs> man <laughs> It's a big responsibility. For it's sure. huge. It's huge. And like, I mean, I always sound like a dick when I talk about my kids because I'm always just like, they're pissing on me and shitting on me. But I mean, there's nothing like the love of a child, but like, man, the perfect, the perfect, the perfect phrase that her mom, my mother-in-law always says, you don't miss the ones you don't have. So <laughs> kids are great, but if you have it, anyways, that's cool. So you don't have kids right now, so that's fun. So you guys get to travel, do whatever you want, go to New Orleans just for Thanksgiving, go to San Francisco and fucking for. Did she go up with you for that San Francisco? Show? Yeah, whole whole crew. That's well, fun, man. Yeah. See, like, and that's the, also the benefit when I talk shit about sp- my spouse, who is an excellent singer. Um, it's a. Uh, 
it's also awesome to like travel with the person you love doing the thing you love doing it so as much shit as i talk there's a great side to it too yeah it's just when it comes to create creatively it can get a little a little hairy but <laughs> it's okay. yeah, yeah for sure but we're, we're just passionate people god damn it um let me see here i now you you're doing this uh uh you the Surefire is doing another gig at um, Panama 66 in mm-hmm. uh, March 25th, correct? March 25th, and uh, we're going to be partnering with Amplified Ales. Amplified Ales. You fam- familiar with them? Mm-mm. They've got that uh, that that place over in, in Pacific Beach that's uh, used to be where DeKynes was. I don't know if you were, ever went to DeKynes when it was over there at, Pac- at, DeKines, uh, at Pacific what? Beach Drive. What, or, what kind or, of music was it? Oh, what kind of music? Was that food. Hawaiian? It was Hawaiian food. It was, Hawaiian. Up, it was okay. upstairs. I do. It, it was right there by the the, ho- the hotels that are there. Okay. I forget the names of the whatever. streets or whatever. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Pacific Beach Drive right there. But yeah, they they took over the DeKine spot. Um, it's a, a microbrewery. Yeah, they have food. They have beers. They have really good beers. Nice. Yeah, we got OB just inherited a bunch of microbreweries. I know, isn't there like ten of them down <laughs> yeah. here now? Yeah, and increased price, uh, rent rate, uh, prices. So, uh oh, thank you, <laughs> thanks beer people, <laughs> thanks beer people. No, it's cool, whatever. Um, uh, so so they're going to be brewing a, a special uh, Surefire beer for that. What? All right, hold on. <laughs> um, the so they're gonna have a surefire like pale ale or I'm not sure last last time it was a rye IPA okay all right um with experimental hops <laughs> um I'm a musician I, I don't know yeah so much what that means um it was good yeah, yeah. Um, it did the job it was tasty it was tasty got got you drunk and got <laughs> get you drunk so this next time I don't know it might be more of a what they call the San Diego style IPA, mm, okay, which which is kind of like a something a, like a stone or something. Yeah, stone or, or like wipeout. Something that's mm. like citrusy and yeah. hoppy. I got you. Okay, okay. Sculpin. Sculpin. Thank you. Um, I uh, I used to love that. I used to love those IPAs, man. They'll get you in trouble. Yes, they will. <laughs> 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 lots and lots of trouble. That's. But if you can like if you can control it, then whatever. I mean, you know, to an extent, right? Okay, so you're pairing up for that show in particular, the March 25th, or is that for the 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 funk jam? That that's for the uh, March 25th at Panama 66. Okay, so they're gonna have their that p- particular beer They'll on ha- tap. That beer will be on tap. We've got some uh, some mugs. Or some uh, should I say pint glasses mm. with the Surefire logo hey on them that you can, that you can buy and put that beer in. I think I think Amplified will probably have four or five beers right. on, on tap there. Oh nice! nice. Have, have you been to that venue before? Um, I used to. I I've been there when it was what's it, it was the other one. It was before that. It was the Promenade or the oh Panama sixty six. Yeah, it it used to be called something else, right? Or has it always been Panama 66? I don't know if there was... The Promenade or no? Jesus. In Balboa Park? Yeah, it used to be called something else. Did, did they do events there before? No. Well, it's yes, a, the, they the used to. Sculpture Garden, they've got that. Yeah, yeah. That's there. They, like, they used to have, have weddings and stuff. Oh, okay. There. Um, was it the Promenade? Son of a bitch. 
Well, it, it hasn't always been Panama 66, right? I'm not like crazy. The space has been there, um, but I'm not sure what was what occupied the space before. I've been there before, but just not as Panama 66. Okay, yeah. But I've been noticing a lot of awesome shows happening it's really, there. It's really cool. Really, no, really I, cool space. Where people are performing, it seems like it's a pretty open space, right? There's no stage, yeah. We, we just set up a small PA. And like it seems, it seems like is it like stone walls or something? Yeah, and, and, so the, and amazingly, there, there's good acoustics oh, there because okay. it's, it's got an open open top. Ah, uh, so it just, sound can just go. Yeah, and you get a little bit of a bounce back off mm-hmm. of, off the walls. Okay, but, that's where I was going with that, which you picked up on pretty quickly. So, <clears throat> okay, so that's March 25th. This should be out by March 25th. Um, so. That's cool. I'm glad that works out. Uh, okay, so then your month, you, you're starting a monthly funk jam as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's every fourth fourth Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, man, I need to get out more. Like, cause every time I have musicians, it's like, who do you play for? Like, what do you? I mean, there's a reason that drinking is the reason why nobody knows who I am. <laughs> it's like I I played with a few very few musicians when I was drinking, but. I sort of had to restart after stopping drinking. So, like, I need to get out and start meeting more musicians and playing and doing these jams. Not much of a jazz guy. Are you a jazz guy at all? Uh, As in more, more on more on like the on the soul jazz side. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have mad respect for people that that play bebop and yeah. these other styles of jazz. It, it's really not my bag as far as listening so i guess i never really learned how to play right, it, right. play it either yeah me neither i like more of the the bluesy blues funky stuff yeah more of the bluesy soul soul jazz guys so if i were to come down would i need to just bring my board or are you gonna have a board set we'll up? have we'll have a keyboard there we'll actually have the ham in there oh with, the, with the nord sitting on top oh, shit. um so so there there will be a drum kit um, there'll be backline bass amp and guitar amp. Okay, so you just bring your axe and mm-hmm. show up. There'll be there'll be, perco- there'll be uh, congas there too. Uh, who's playing congas on your album? Uh, we've got two two percussionists, uh, Kiko Cornejo Jr. and uh, Diego Velasquez. Oh, okay, I know Diego, kind of, only through Omar. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you at Omar. Yeah. He he played in, um, on New Year's Eve with us. Yeah, that's right. I I did see that. Yeah, Omar, what a what a great like well-rounded musician. Just like if if I was to think of someone who would like you'd want to like model like at attitude and you know because attitude matters and like just his skill level is like what a just well-rounded guy. Yeah, he's he's super solid. He's just always and like because I used to play with him a long time ago and like we actually did like a small little tour together and like he's just always had that like real calm demeanor just like a real chill guy just he actually saved me from fighting for no reason he was like nah man don't go with it it, love that guy i really do yeah i love him um uh, let me see here so you're working with Jake Nager. Like we got to talk about Jake Nager's project a little bit. Oh yeah, we're do- yeah we're doing an album. Yeah, and uh, I heard some of the so- I heard one song, one song. It was kind of a funky thing, um, but was what was interesting, and, and I wanted to get your perspective of this since you're like one of the key players, and uh, you're rec- you're recording the album, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that he started with just drum beats, and like because well, how he explained it was that he had. He just had the like, drum beats that he really wanted music for, and then he had changes and hits and dynamics and stuff. But like, 
no music on top of right. it. Right. And I just like, I mean, coming from like a beat maker past, like I, I make beats sometimes. Um, like you usually start with the drums, so it makes sense. And I know he's in the hip hop, but like to the extent of having like <laughs> drums, I don't know. Like, how did you approach that? when he was just sort of like here's the beat and uh, well, yeah he was giving us like the full options for the whole song so it was going to be you know so it would so it wouldn't end up being like your standard hip-hop song where you basically loop two bars of drums right. and, and then just make changes Build. on top of it yeah he, he you know he switched it up he started on the hats played the beat and then he'd go over to the ride and do something similar throw some fills <laughs> maybe even do some kind of like yeah like he was saying like hits or some other kind of thing for like a bridge section yeah so he he left it you know, he left us a lot of options and then we could use what we wanted at that point. And then, so then we brought over like a bass player. Oh, so he late, he actually like recorded those beats and everything first. Mm-hmm. He did that for, okay. Yeah. All the, all the drums were laid first. Thought, so like before any music was even written. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Which is a very, very hip hop approach. And, and <laughs> right, I, right. I, I liked, I liked that approach a well, lot. Well, me too. I like, I immediately like gravitated like, wow, that's fucking cool because like you don't, Excuse me, I got shit in my throat. You don't usually think about... I mean, I know recording sessions a lot of times start with the drums, but... (laughs) What the fuck? (coughs) Sorry. You alright? I guess. (coughs) Wrong pipe? No, it's just something in my throat. Last night... I was like backstage all night, so I'm like trying to talk to people, like, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's new with you?" So like, oh, you kind of burn it, burn it out a little bit. Yeah, like last night, I was just, I just my throat was so sore, and I think it's starting to catch up with me. Oh, okay. You watch Curb Your Enthusiasm at all? I do. I there's a new season coming out, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. What was there like an episode that? Oh, well, there there was a Larry with the um with the pubic hair where he's like <laughs> he's got stuck stuck in his throat. I do. <laughs> it's like one of those shows where I watched like a bunch of it like a long time ago. So like there's just like little bits and parts that I remember, but everything else is a blur. So that fucking show is so amazing though. Yeah, it's, like it's one that, of the best for sure. That in Seinfeld, I actually got I got uh, I got uh, what's his name. Oh my god, what's Jason Alexander's character's name? George? George Costanza, thank you. <laughs> so George Buttons? I got, I got him up there with his big wallet. See, <laughs> I, it's probably hard to see from here. Nice. He has his big wallet. It's a button. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's the approach that he was going with the drums. So you guys recorded all the drums and then did you like start with the bass or so yeah then we brought in a bass player <laughs> and him and i were kind of hashing out di- ideas for different either like a line where, where you kind of don't have any corn chord changes where it's like more of just a groove yeah or we would do you know set up the changes and yeah, just fl- kind of flush out the forms of the songs. Now, was that some of it without Jake, or was that always with Jake? Oh yeah, Jake, present? Jake, Jake would come, and he would he would give us the either the nod approval or, or like the or like the nah. nah. That that's uh, okay. So then uh, then so like you and the bass player sort of like started flushing out the actual musicality, and then or musicality, 
notes, whatever. So you guys start fleshing out the actual arrangement of the music on top of the drums, and mm-hmm. then you just start adding on from there. And then, well, then we brought in guitar, and a few a few of the songs, he he helped uh, a lot with the arrangements. Um, but yeah, Nick's great, and uh, um, so he, yeah, he added a lot to the recordings. So too. you guys used a lot, Surefire guys. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, it was me, me, Nick, and and Matt from Surefire. Okay, and we have a, we have a group with Jake called the the Mighty Three Eighty Eights, and we we do uh, soul jazz kind of standards. Oh, okay. We, we do like more like we get we get together to play gigs more to just make a few bucks than yeah. than to really uh be like a serious band. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, it, it seems like Panama 66 has been like a venue that's just like very open to that, like, uh, I don't know, like the traditional jazz, but also mm-hmm. bringing in the soul and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. G- uh, Gilbert Castellanos <coughs> does does his jazz jam there, which does really well on, on Wednesday nights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before his jam, um, they have what's called the, the Young Lion series where he's getting kids from junior high and high school music programs and they're they're showing up and playing maybe their first gigs maybe maybe yeah. not maybe they're got some experience but there's a lot of kids that are better than better than me at, <laughs> at, 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 play, at playing straight out of jazz i'm like whoa yeah this is pretty amazing that always freaks me out when you see these little kids who are just like it's okay we get it it's junior settle down <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's some badasses. It's, it's, <laughs> Which it's really is, cool. It's just like that, whatever it is that drives you, it's like that compulsion or that that obsession, you know? Like, it's just strong in some people, and some people, the compulsion goes to other places. <clears throat> I used to be so, so super judgmental of other musicians, of course, in my younger years. I was like, I was like oh, he's not a jazz player, or it's like, oh, he's not, you know, or... I don't know why I I I've always been not that great at any one instrument. I play several instruments, and I've never been like amazing at any one of them. But I don't know why I thought that I could sit there and just judge people on their playing. <laughs> it was like, God, young Mike sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what's when you guys plan on releasing? That? I, I I know I asked Je- Jeff Jeff. What the fuck is his name? Jake. Jesus. Come on, Mike. Um, I can't remember what he said though. Like he said, maybe he's gonna release a couple songs at a time. So maybe? no, I think I think I think we're doing the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to ask him. But we're we're mixing it. We're currently mixing it on the weekends in in my studio. So you plan on doing all the mixing and mastering? Not the mastering. I I usually get another ear on it for that kind of stuff. Well, for the mastering on like Surefire stuff, you you send that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, all right, yeah, solid. Yeah, but but yeah, Jake's album sound sounding really good. Yeah, the one song that I heard was like pretty cool, and you guys did that all on tape too, or yeah, just m- the drums. Most most of it. No, well, I take it back. Just the drums. <laughs> just the drums. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember. I I think I remember him saying. I'm so terrible at remembering things that just happened like a couple days ago um so what's the name of your record the record company that you guys are signed to like oh coal mine coal mine and they're out of ohio you said yeah they're out of loveland loveland ohio? I, I better look it up to see where exactly <laughs> coal mine is it used to be middle middleton but i think it's loveland now how did you come uh, how did you come across them 
or how did they come across you? Uh, just just sent them demo or, or our first our first forty five that we released uh-huh. the first seven inch record. Um, just sent them the tracks in email. Well, this says that they're out of Brooklyn. What is it? You said coal mine? Yeah, C O L E M I N E. Oh yeah, okay, coal mine. Is like, that C O O L? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's like a hip hop label, I think. <laughs> okay, coal mine records. Here we go, two thousand seven. Okay, so they specialize in soul and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have a they have a physical shop there in in Loveland um, called Plaid Room Records. Um, now they. Um, who else is on their label that people might know? Or Orgone. Oh yeah, right there. Um, th- they put okay. out, I think, I think two, maybe it's just one LP <coughs> so far, and several forty fives. Um, the Monophonics did did a few forty fives. The Monophonics are they from out here? They're from San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay, okay. Um, a Kebe Shakedown. Is, which is a an Afrobeat band from from Brooklyn? Oh, sweet! They've done some forty fives and then an, an, an EP. Um, there's a really cool new band or new newer band from uh, LA called Soul Scratch. They just put out a a full length on Coal Mine. It's and it's badass. Yeah, nah, I've never heard of them. That's that's pretty sweet. Like, I'm trying to find the. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm being rude. Oh, Loveland. Yeah, it is Loveland. Yeah, and then uh-huh. there's a there's another LA band, Jungle Fire. Um, they're playing in San Diego in March, early March. Um, they've they've done a couple forty fives on Coal Mine. That's 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 kind of how Coal Mine started was forty fives, just putting out just forty five. Yeah, right? and okay. and and now they've and now they've done maybe seven full lengths. Okay, two of them two of them are ours. <clears throat> and so like, so what what was their what was their role then with in the production of these albums like because i it's so confusing what labels do nowadays pretty much we're doing a a 50 50 split with them okay and they're you know furnishing all the all the money for the the physical the pressing the the, the product and yeah all that and then they just give us a bunch of records and we sell some locally sell some online and when we go out on the road sell some okay that's so, <clears throat> so I mean, they're obviously an independent label. Um, what, um, what, like, how did did you did you send like your stuff, like some demos out to them, or like how did like how did you contact them? Like, what was the way you? Oh, contacted? oh yeah, just 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 through email. Um, just our, like our hey, first, yeah, we we recorded a forty-five and we self-released it, and then I just I just sent it to him, and then, um. It went to like I think I went to an old email address, and he got back to me like six months later. He's like, "Yeah, I still want to put this out." I was like, "Well, it's already out, but uh, let's do the next one." Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I I dig that, man. And uh, what's the what's like their distribution? Like, what? How did they handle it? Uh, or do they handle distribution? Uh, they do record store distribution a lot themselves, but also connected with a distributor called Fat Beats. Oh, okay, okay. Who distributes pretty much worldwide. Okay. So that that puts us in Germany, Australia, Japan. Okay. Have you seen any results from uh, overseas at all? Um, you know, we're, we're not like touring there or anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so, so, no, so nothing, cra- nothing crazy. Right, right. But it, I don't know. I guess it, it might be just me, but it seems like Europe always has like this weird appreciation for art. Oh, we're, je- we're definitely selling 
selling records over there, selling, you know, people are buying them off our, off our band camp, a lot, a lot from Europe, more than the more U.S. Than America. Well, that's what I was saying, is like, there seems to be like a, an appreciation more than like from, you know, our own country, whatever the fuck that means, you know, like, I, I mean, I always talk about this, but like how kind of America has like this, there's like this stigma against art from from when we're kids and depending on who your parents are but like you know your parents are always like oh go to college have something to fall back on and then now these days where they're cutting art out of the curriculum right because because art isn't is right. a respectable trade really exactly it's it, so it's always it's not a steady job exactly and so it i just feel like that kind of to the bigger picture like it kind of is less appreciated in some weird way, you know, like, I mean, just, I mean, fundamentally, when you take it out of uh, the society's fucking schooling, you know, you take it out of public school, I mean, it, it, it just, it, it says something, you know, it, it says a lot. It's, it's yeah, it so doesn't, uh, doesn't produce enough money, obviously. <laughs> right. For, yeah. for our capitalist uh, yeah. society. Yeah. And, f- you know. Europe's a little bit more socialist. Yeah. Sh- they, sh- sh- should we, should we say? I guess. Uh, yeah, for sure. And it, I just, there's always like this, uh, they always just, it just seems to me like, and I've never been to Europe, but like just what you can see on the internet or wherever you get your information, uh, it just seems like there's more of appreciation over there. It just, I, yeah, they have, a, they have a <coughs> richer culture, long, it's a longer, yeah, a little bit her, older. Her, older heritage mm-hmm. and yeah, they appreciate the arts a lot more than the majority of the U.S. I mean, New Orleans certainly appreciates the arts well, a yeah. lot. Then you San, have Fr- these, San Francisco. They have then you have these pockets, but but you do kind of see like in, in my eyes, I kind of see like a, you kind of see you're seeing a resurgence sort of of just these like grassroots arts type things popping up in like a lot of cities, um, like the city I'm from, Toledo, Ohio. They for a long time it just seemed like a desolate type of just environment where there's always just a few bands like some bands rise to the top of whatever it means to be the top of like toledo and then sometimes they go on and do big things but uh it's just not very supportive and it's just i mean i know it's hard to get people out to your shows and i know it's hard to create like a fan base so it's not but i just feel like there's more Especially even in San Diego, I feel like there's more of a support system, so, like growing. I, I don't know. Like I haven't been here long enough to be like that. You know, that's what's happening. Have you noticed anything within the San Diego scene that might uh, back that claim up at all, or is it all just been um, disconnected? And San Diego seems dis very disconnected as far as the there are a lot of different scenes here that thrive though mm-hmm. there's, yeah. there's a thriving reggae scene right there's, yeah. a, there's a thriving straight ahead <laughs> jazz scene right there's a thriving indie rock scene um there's the winston scene which is a mixture of reggae and kind of jam bands right um so it's hard and especially hard for our band to figure out where we kind of fit in all that because we're not any of those things really right um but there's definitely a lot of music lovers and, and appreciators, um, and there's a lot of musicians that are heavily involved in the in the local scene more yeah. more so than than yeah ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, the, I mean, because like when I first came here, it just seemed like there was just just everybody was just out on their own thing, doing their own whatever it is, you know, trying to 
wade through the fucking noise, you know, and now it seems like people are just a little bit, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what even attributes to that. Because even when I go to other cities, you can sort of see it happening too. I mean, I'm sure the internet has something to do with it. Uh, maybe just music is more accessible. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just makes it easier to find what you want. It's it's probably easier to hear local music now with right. with, with the internet, whereas before you had to you go had to go out. And yeah, go get it. either either go to the shows or or go to a music trader or something mm-hmm. in the local section and right. and buy something. I I'd like to see more of the different scenes kind of coming together. Right. Reggae fans at the jazz events, right. jazz people at the rock events. You know, just see a little bit more of a, a mixture instead of everything being so polarized to their own right my own music is the best (laughs) mentality which i which i was guilty which i'm kind of guilty of myself at times and i'm and i try and get away from it and and try and be more more open-minded me too it took me a long time to warm up to the reggae thing and now that i'm like so fucking embedded in it that i'm up to my ass in in it um it's like uh, because when i first got here i i love sublime and i love and I loved reggae. I still love like the old school stuff, but then I just got here and you you, you know, you've heard the term white boy reggae, I'm sure. Um I used to just fucking shit all over it. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, like as you work around town and you start meeting people, you know, you you start making friends with some people and then I got pulled in for like just a sub gig and then all of a sudden now I'm just fucking ass deep in it. And, and you know, like in a lot of it, I, I'm not really that thrilled about it, but it's like anything else. You know, there's a lot of shit out there. And then when you find stuff that's cool, it's like, oh, I really dig this. Like like uh, this cat named <coughs> Josh uh, Heinrichs. Hen- I always fuck his name up. Heinrichs is from uh, Missouri. He has he has this really cool approach to it. It's like it's reggae, but then he also mixes in um, this like super soulful R and B type thing to it. So it's just to me that hits home because I like the soul, I like the neo soul, I like the the funk, and I like you know. So so that that's what hits me, and that's why I'm excited about this year at Cal Roots because they have like Thievery Corporation. Are you familiar with Thievery Corporation? Oh yeah. I've seen them a couple times. Yeah, they're fucking incredible, and uh, and they play reggae, but they play a lot of world, and they play funky stuff. Right, they're just all over the place, and so because I played a festival last year, I was like, Jesus Christ, could they just have like one fucking funk band or something? <laughs> it's like you're just yeah, you feel like you feel like it's a lot of the lot of the same kind of vibe the whole time. It's just the whole thing, and that's nice, and I dig it, and I don't want to shit on it because I really love the vibe, and I'm starting to like starting to like. Uh, I'm starting to like be a part of the community where I'm making friends from other places and you networking, making you know, and like just knowing c- cool people because there are cool people within it. And so I don't want to shit on it too much, but like motherfucker, it's like when I play these festivals, I'm just walking around like fuck, dinking, 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 you know. Yeah, and I think I think it would be really cool to see those festivals open up to bands that are in the genre that that surefire or, or 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 gone or some of these yeah, funk bands are totally. in because i think the, i think those those fans would appreciate what we're doing i know they would as well as our fans would appreciate yeah, the, the like, reggae as it's well it's not like just like it's not like people who listen to reggae just listen i mean there are some people obviously like you're saying polarized fucking like trump or hillary whatever it's like i only listen to reggae and like to me fucking i just i can't even hang out with you it's like if you can only if you're only sold to 
one thing only, and that's like you, there's no budging. Is I can't deal with that. Is I have to have a little openness. There has to be a little variety. Anyways, that's kind of rude. Yeah, and I guess and I guess a lot of these jam, more jam oriented festivals don't really have a lot of reggae bands either. Right, which is weird too. Um, so yeah, like is, so with with like Surefire. Do you guys leave a lot of room for improv and stuff like that? Yeah, the majority majority of our live show is is improv. Okay, so which I'm going to the show with uh, this Saturday. Oh, cool! So, so I, I told you here, so I, I'm holding myself to it, <laughs> and I told my other friends because once you have a kid, you kind of stay in your bubble. And so I'm kind of yeah. climbing out of the fog of of a newborn, and now he's a toddler. So he kind of he takes care of himself now. You know, he cooks his own food. He's good. Oh, he does the dishes and all yeah, that. Yeah, he does the dishes, cuts his finger off with the knife and everything. Oh damn! No, I'm just kidding. No, he's three. He's he's helpless. Uh, but he's <laughs> um, but he's he's old enough to where it's not like you have to worry about breaking his neck because his head falls you know so (laughs) 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 so it's beyond this like completely needy person like like i was saying one kind of they kind of keep each other busy especially when um his cousin's over so um so i'm i'm actually going out more i'm actually able to like see local music more as much as i can and so if i don't get a fucking gig between now and then I'm gonna be there. Sick. I'm saying it here right now. What are tickets going for? I think they're ten. Ten? Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad for like four bands at the music box. It's an amazing venue. Yeah, it's a really beautiful venue. Uh what was it? Anth- <clears throat> anthology? Yeah. Man, I almost saw almost I almost saw Chick Korea there. <laughs> didn't didn't make it. <laughs> didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't even have a kid. Uh, like what? Herbie Hancock played there, and oh, oh, I think I think Chick and Herbie they did it at the um, the symphony. Oh, they did do like a dueling piano. A, du- a duo, yeah. Those motherfuckers, that's amazing. Those like um, oh man, like like bitches brew and stuff like that. Those like old when fusion was starting to kind of come in with Miles and stuff, mm-hmm. and the weather report kind of went out like that, that shit, man. And that's a rabbit hole I got lost in a long time ago. Oh, Return to Forever, that first album. Oh my god, I love that it's, one. Uh, her voice, like, <laughs> what the fuck is it about her vocals on that? That's just, that's just like, it's so, um, it's just something you're not used to. I mean, it's just so unique to that. Do you know the name of that vocalist? I think it's uh, Flora Purim. I've never, I've never even heard any other albums by her or like where that she sang on. Like that's the only thing I've ever heard her sing on. And I guess I didn't go down the rabbit hole that deep, huh? Uh, but yeah, that that was crazy. And like it always threw me off because you know how like out of bitches brew, sort of like you had the Herbie went off and did um, fucking water. What was it? Fucking headhunters. Headhunters. And then you know like um, they. Zawanal and fucking Wayne Shorter went off the weather report and and then um Chikoria went off and just made like this classic jazz album which I mean which revolutionized shit but it was just like it it was just interesting to me that he sort of went this cl- traditional way but also had um this really unique vocalist just sort of sing over it I did hear like some alternate takes off of the album where he's actually using like a wah pedal on his roads and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe 
No. It just it that's just interesting. Just fun thing in my head that I just decided to share with you, Tim Filton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're st- oh go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I really love that album before Bitches Brew too. Um, in a silent, silent way. way yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Like you can hear where it was all leading. It's just like this crazy dream world what, 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 yeah which is kind of wh- where chick stayed with that i think on the on that return to forever right it had, it had that very floaty right floaty vibe mm. yeah totally man yeah they uh what a what interesting bunch of people did you see that jocko uh documentary i did yeah man like i knew that dude had like issues with like alcohol and stuff like that but i didn't realize how like just mentally unhinged he kind of became uh-huh. and was you know but i mean like the way he approached the base i mean i think you have to be something some off you know like just the way he sort of revolutionized the way it's played and right stuff. this is a artist who just like changed the game who can never really be normal <laughs> normal you know it's like and then whatever normal means but you know like <coughs> yeah, that was a great documentary. Did you see the Sharon Jones one too? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that one made me cry. Yeah, sad as fuck. Yeah, and like this has been a bunch of sad. Like Amy was sad as fuck, and the Sharon Jones one was super sad. Yeah, especially like now knowing like the, yeah. the outcome. Right, know? and you know what? I didn't. I remember her passing. Well, it was last year, right? Like in the fall or something. It was. It was pretty recent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a few months back. And so. I um I remember it happening but when I was watching I was I couldn't remember I was like wait I thought she died like so like I watched the documentary and then I googled it and I was like oh my god you know like it just made it all worse yeah, you know yeah they they made that with the with the thought that she was going to yeah, be able to beat it and, Cause and at come the ba- end, and come back yeah at the end it was kind of a positive thing right or was there a growth or something I, anyways yeah, it's, I'm totally ruining it for everyone. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a sad thing. Um, well, we've been, been talking for a while here. I mean, like, we've covered a lot of stuff. Is there anything that you want to add, or is there any... Uh, um, yeah, I just want to, as far as this, this jam session that's happening, just want to encourage a- anyone that, that plays funky music to, to come on down and I'm and, get, and, and get down... We're, we posted the the song list that we'll be drawing from on the, on the Facebook invite, and there's a lot of you know very accessible tunes there that you can learn with just a little bit of listening and figuring them out. We won't we won't have any charts. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like this this music is more of a oral tradition anyway than than, necess- than necessarily having a bunch of charts. You don't need it. You can learn these songs. Come yeah. on down. <laughs> let's let's jam what, on. Let's have s- fun. What are some of the songs that are on the list? Uh like like the song Hickey Burr. Hickey Burr, okay. Which is like that that Bill Cosby, Quincy Jones yeah, yeah, yeah. jam. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He um that was actually the Cosby show theme, mm-hmm. right? Holy shit. That I uh okay. Go ahead. What so, else? So Hickey Burr, um, Root Down. It's like the it was sampled by the Beastie Boys for their their how how we're gonna kick it gonna kick it root down. Okay, it's just like that got the big organ like it's a Jimmy Smith song. Okay, um, there's a bunch of Grant Green songs. Sweet that, that we'll be doing some some funky Grant Green stuff. Um, there's a JB's JB's tune. I for, I forget which one we chose, 
we're gonna do a, f- a few surefire tunes so you can sit in with us on some surefire songs there's a there's gonna be a, a jake nager song off off of jake's oh, album shit. sorry <laughs> <laughs> and uh just yeah just a variety of uh fun relatively simple funky jams and what's it uh what's it called the actual show or the actual thing oh it's called sundays in the park a funky music jam session i think i think i think that's what we ended up naming it you just like gotta name everything a mouthful uh. (laughs) pretty pretty much everything has to be excessive there was uh there was another name that we were we were tossing around um which i got from from al howard actually um and it was going to be called making music dope again (laughs) but we decided to just end this trump theme you know if you know if we start ignoring it maybe it'll go away yeah gotcha probably won't though no it seems like it's only getting worse huh (laughs) that fucking nordstrom thing like and he's tweeting like why does he still have a a twitter like what yeah, a, yeah, what a, yeah what Twitter a, Twitter's been very generous with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw you know what I forgot to bring up with Jake. I don't know if it was real or not, but he posted something where it said um uh, um I don't know if it was fake, but it it showed like at Jake Nager. It's like it it made it look like Jake. Oh, oh like build your own Trump tweet about about yourself. Is or that something? is that like an app? I think so. Okay, yeah. it, is, it always ends with sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a one like a one word diss. Yeah, sad. <laughs> oh my god, that guy is such a piece of work. Oh, there was one thing. Did you hear about Prince's catalog getting sold off to Universal? Uh, no, I didn't hear about that. I think this is. I don't know if it's out today, but it was. Apparently, all of Prince's catalog is being, um, well, a, a good majority, at least a thousand songs are being, was sold by the estate to Universal to be what, just, ones, like, ones, own the rights. Ones that are already out, that are already released <laughs> I stuff. think so. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think that they sort of, like, re- released a big majority of his catalog. Yeah, because he's, he's not on Spotify. Nope. He's not on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, so, like, we'll see what happens with this. And, and you know... It was interesting because my wife brought it up to me, and she was just like, "Well, he shouldn't have been stingy with his music," and and I was like, "Well, I get it though. I get that like from like a long time ago, he he was getting screwed by his record company, so he went and changed his name and did all that, and he now he owned the rights to it, and it's because it's his art, and like that's how he makes a living. So I get it. And then as soon as the internet came around and started, you know, just giving his music away for free." I get it. I get it. You know, I I understand. But um, on the other side of it, the way she's looking at it is like, well, as an artist, your music is for everyone. Like you make it for everyone, and it's like for everyone to buy. (laughs) 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 But I, but yeah, right. So, uh, but I see both sides of it, and like. He he made a lot of money off of it. Obviously, he did. He was a wealthy man. But then, when you think about other musicians who are trying to get by, you know, like indie band, indie bands such as Surefire, who was like, you know, you're not a huge label. They're not fucking, you know, like you. You're fortunate enough to be on a label that you're able to have vinyl pressings and shit, which is amazing to me. Like that's like that would be like the pinnacle of my success <laughs> if i had a record company that would be like hey here fucking i'll make i'll make records for you that's so that's amazing to me it feels it feels great it must it has to but it's like shit 
um so i get prince's aspect of it <clears throat> but i also get the fact that like you know you know fucking come off it prince i, I pay for spotify <laughs> <laughs> the the uh the millennials want their free music prince yeah. can come you, on prince. can you provide it please <laughs> give us that free music son of a bitch no r.i.p prince we love you all right well i think we covered a lot and I appreciate yeah. you coming out here. And oh, yeah, I appreciate you having down. me, Mike. I know you didn't know what to expect. I know you walked in. I was like, oh, you got like two hours to spend? And you're like, oh, okay. And I kind of threw you off guard. So I really got to remember to tell people. I was like, hey, this usually runs from, from like an hour to two hours. So be prepared for that. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a constantly evolving conversation. but yeah. And it's very fun. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I, I try to make it comfortable. I know it, it was a rough start there. I was just usually I have someone to bounce my stupid, you know, banter off of. So like there is, but he stayed up in Long Beach to party. Oh, you, got, oh you have a sidekick? <clears throat> I do, I do. And I had another guy who was gonna come, but he ditched, which is fine. I've done this before, just me, so it's not a big deal. But. So you just sort of heard me struggling through that opening, like, okay. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> oh, my phone and uh, the nature of this show. It's okay, though. Anyways, um, where can people find Surefire? Where can people get a hold of you? Where can people get a copy of your album? You can buy our music on Bandcamp for f vinyls and CD. Or you can get digital music there, too. hey But, you know, iTunes... You can listen on Spotify and make us a few cents. <laughs> um, YouTube, add to our plays. So then, you know, when people see that we have more plays, then they're like, oh, I should check this out because it's, right. it's cool. It's right, popular. Right. Duh, everybody's been clicking on it all you, day. Yeah, you can, you can put a comment on there about how badass it is. And then right. people are like, whoa, these guys are badass because this guy said they're badass. Because <laughs> that guy said it was cool. <laughs> um, Do you have a website or anything? We we just have our our Facebook for okay. for social interacting or Instagram, Instagram uh, the Surefire Soul Ensemble at Instagram. No 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 I know at the Surefire. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, th I think yeah oh, it, it is yeah, it's yeah. an at yeah it's at and then it's got a the on there so so don't don't get that other Surefire Soul Ensemble out of Russia yeah the, 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 <laughs> screw those guys the fakers the fakers you gotta get the the surefire soul on some wait fuck i know they, they even even at at shows we play at when people announce us they it's a, it's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of words it's my fault i'm sorry everyone s s f s e that's even hard to say s f s e yeah no i had to i was like when i was like texting it to you earlier i had to think sure fire soul okay because I, I didn't feel like typing out all that so i did that and then okay Anyways, let's listen to a couple tunes and then we'll cut right back. So, um, off the last album, what, what's a what's a what's a good couple tunes we should start with? I'd say um, "Genie's Get Down," "Genie's Get Down," and um, this Balboa Park. I, I see a lot of. Uh, I see some. Uh, like on your other one too, you have some San Diego names. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're trying to to pay a little respect to our town here. Okay, so we're gonna listen to Genie's Get Down, and then we'll listen to following directly 
Balboa Park. And that's off of the new Surefire Soul Ensembles album, Out on the Coast, which is available now. And also, um, was this just a self-titled? Self-titled, yeah. In the first album, the uh, Surefire Soul Ensemble. So let's listen to those songs, and we'll be right back, and then we'll say goodbye.
we're back. Loved it. <laughs> sexy, sexy, sexy. <laughs> All right. Tim, I appreciate you coming out, buddy. Get, Thanks, shake Mike. Shake that hand. Thank you. And, um, Thanks for having I'll, me. I'll see you guys next time. Um, nope. Be nice to your fellow human beings. HJs for everybody. Stay up. Jobless. Jobless, jobless.